millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and culture podcast. Tonight, we're without Ash, who's celebrating his birthday and living his best life for the rest of us. And in a beautiful bit of podcast symmetry, we're also missing Charlie because his son was born today. Massive, massive congratulations and love to him and his wife, Emily. We'll let him do the name reveal on his return. In their absence, I'm joined by Billy, who was at the Amex on Saturday for an emotional win over Brighton, and Tom, who put the rest of us to shame by running a half marathon at the weekend. Tom, how are you feeling? Have you recovered? Genuinely, I can barely move my legs. Um, they're absolutely fucked. Uh, so, yeah, oh, and I'm just going to move as little as possible for the rest of the week. Oh, and massive congrats to Charlie, obviously. Amazing news. Yeah, it just feels like it's, it's, it's been, you know, a week of achievements for everybody, really. Um, I'm just so impressed, Tom, to be honest, especially when you'd like sneakily posted your time, which I thought was like wildly impressive and like quite fast. Thank you. So yeah. Well done. Um, just to say, annoyingly, I did see a couple of Arsenal shirts uh, when I was running. It was the Royal Park. Oh God, they're everywhere. Why they are-, are they everywhere? Just... They are, but I found that there was a spectator in an Arsenal shirt. And even though I was absolutely knackered, I still found the energy to muscle up like Commonwealth Spurs. As I, as I ran past, I went, Come on, you Spurs. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, back to the football. It was a really, really, really tough week for Antonio Conte and all of the Tottenham players because their beloved fitness coach, um, Gian Piero Ventrone, died last week so I think it had obviously been a really rough time and it seemed like it was incredibly emotional at the stadium in Brighton and Bill you were there can you just tell us how it was talk us through it yeah man it was um it's a bit of a weird one like because obviously the whole you know the, the surrounding days before had been very emotional um it was a total shock for everybody and you just kind of have 
total it puts everything into perspective about football you know we've been uh, you know we all do it we've all been spending the, the last couple of weeks moaning about the style of play and this isn't that and then something like this happens and you realize it doesn't nothing really matters that we're spending so much time being crossed over and worrying about um but i just wanted to say like the the sort of rallying support from the fans i thought was fantastic and i hope that it meant a lot to you know to his family and to Conte and the people that are you know feeling the loss the most um because the fans really really got behind them i just want to shout out um again the work of THFC flags and spurs song sheet um because they had arranged for some italian flags for to be ready to be readily available for spurs fans um on the friday before the game they could go and pick them up um there were literally loads of italian flags in there the noise from the fans was, um, was one of the best ways i've been in for a very long time which was contrast into one of the worst home atmospheres i was really su- surprised by how bad the home atmosphere was but that's beside the point but um yeah i just thought the whole fans everything was you know um they did everything they could and um yeah it was and even if you know forgetting the performance forgetting the if we won or if we lost it didn't really matter because we were behind and paying tribute to what is seemingly an incredible man who has left a lot to a lot of people um so yeah i think it was a really really touching display of affection from the fans and I hope it meant a lot to the people that lost him. Yeah, I feel like we didn't really realise how big of a presence he was. And I think we hadn't, when the players' tributes started pouring in on social media, like they were so heartfelt. I don't think we saw anything quite that raw. And obviously Conte in tears before the game and then came being interviewed afterwards and he nearly broke down as well. And there was this lovely piece, I think it was in the Evening Standard this week, where Conte just basically spoke about how he's so proud to have the kind of people around him that he does and he's proud of his players as human beings, like first and foremost, because they didn't, you know, he said they they didn't do training all the next day and he said we don't, you know, they normally like focus so hard on the next game and he just said we didn't do any of that they just went and they just played and they kind of did it almost by themselves I think yeah and it, may, it did the whole thing made me very very proud of our club and what it means to be a Tottenham fan um, and I think every single person involved in the club from the players to the coach to the fans you know we did ourselves proud with and hopefully a fitting tribute to what was clearly a great man I think there's a couple of things which gave away like just how incredible that he obviously was and how much he meant to the players first he does that video of son after the leicester game um when he's he's hugging the you know we know son is no stranger to hugging people but he hugs uh Jean-Pierre for a good like solid minute after that hat trick so obviously the connection is there and then i've been watching we've all been watching kane interviews for like 10 you know 10 years or whatever now i've never seen him like that before um he doesn't really give a lot away in interviews he's very sort of you know he's very sort of well trained. He doesn't he doesn't tend to show much emotion, but I, I've never seen Kane like that. And for someone like Kane, who is you know a very very well composed figure, um, always speaks very very well in the media to show that level of emotion that really got to me to be honest. So I think there was a clear sort of you you could really see that this wasn't just a coach. This was something much more to us. Um, and I think his loss will be felt deeply by the players, fans, and Conte alike. Um, but yes, yeah, just um, it was for that for you know really did feel proud to be a Spurs fan this weekend. Yeah, watching it from home and seeing the look on the players' faces uh, before the match was was pretty heartbreaking, really. And like you said, Billy, the Conte kind of crime before the match as well just put everything in perspective. It reminded you that these people are human 
um, and we can all sit here and kind of pontificate on uh, how they played or their tactics or whatever, but they are real people. And um, yeah, it really showed that. Like you said, even without the the win, um, that didn't really, really matter. It was, um, yeah, I was really proud of the club as well. And I know it was well documented on social media, but it was, you know, Hugo brought in a shirt um, with his name on the back um, to rapturous applause, obviously, and singing There's Only One Jean Piero, um, which was then, I believe, signed by all the players. And I, I think it's going to be donated to the family. I think um, Levy, um, Conte, and Paratici have all gone to the funeral on Sunday, yesterday, as we're recording this. Um, so, yeah. And I think for me, what sums it up was this quote from Matt Doherty. Um, he was talking about a training, uh, a tra- um, being at training, and he said uh, he was behind us. Um, and he's talking to his children here. We pick him up from training at the end of the end of training. He says he was behind us. I said, "Daddy, is that your friend?" And normally you would say that's one of the coaches. But I said, "No, that is one of my friends." Um, and that's what he was to us. He was more than a coach. He was a friend. So, R.I.P. Jean Piero. Yeah, and I think that's that sort of takes us in really nicely to actually talking about the game because with that in mind and remembering that we're actually talking about human beings who have very, very, very real feelings, it was actually just a game that came out of nowhere, right? Because the week, you know, last week and all the weeks leading up to it, we've been talking about player rotation and formation changes and... I certainly have said, I just don't think he's going to make any changes. He loves that formation. And at best, we'll see, you know, Perisic on the right. Um, Conte caught us all sleeping and completely switched it up and went for the 3-5-2. How do we all feel about that? Tom? I think it worked well, really. Um, We got a win, obviously. I think with... Kulazewski out and two games a week. We can't run all three of them into the ground. So I think he was right to rest one of the front three. What I, I thought Basuma had a fairly good game. I don't think it was kind of spectacularly good. But what I did enjoy was that having three central midfielders on the pitch allowed um, Benton Kerr to get forward a bit. I think the goal came from... Uh, that brilliant shot from outside the box that he had that the Brighton keeper saved. We then got the corner and uh, and Kane scored from that. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm falling fairly deeply in love with Benton Kerr. Um, obviously, Hoybier doesn't get dropped either. And I thought he had a really good, really good game as well. Um, so yeah, generally the formation worked well. I think... Bissouma and Doherty kind of both had okay matches. They had good spells. Neither kind of blew you away, but we got the win. We've got to rotate with so many games on at the moment. Um, I'm praying Kulazewski's back at the very least for uh, Everton at the weekend. But yeah, I think in the circumstances, um, five what five three two was probably the the right way to go, or three five two, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I guess it was always going to be a bit tricky for Basuma because there's a lot of expectation when you go back to your former club, right? I mean, I feel like loads of the time it works out really well against us, <laughs> but not necessarily for us. So the sort of vibe I, I was getting from people, because I missed the first half of the game because I 
was on like an odyssey of my own with my two children trying to get back from um, Westminster, which was not that easy on Saturday afternoon. So but what I was hearing from people was that even though he wasn't necessarily that good, like and Bentoncourt and Hoybier absolutely shone. And I'm almost feeling like, is it time for those two to have their own kind of portmanteau name now? Like I fondly remember the <laughs> days of, of Wambele and I'm like, is it time? But those two names just don't really feel like they go that well together. So <laughs> maybe something we can workshop a little bit later. I mean, it's, um, it's amazing how undroppable they, they both are in centre mid, really. You like to have two central midfielders who like contagious they're the first two on the team sheet essentially with Romero Kane and Son um yeah they're both so good and like you said I think like Basuma kind of allowed them to shine a bit I think it's also so important for Basuma to get some minutes under his belt clearly get a start at a ground that he's familiar with playing a lot of his former teammates it's also just I just wanted to say as well Brighton were really good like genuinely very good we were f- lucky, really, with the win. Another day that so easily could have been could have been a draw. They had some really great chances, and even though they lost like two of their star players in the summer, um, I was really impressed with Brighton. So it's a massive win to to come away with, I think. Yeah, and I just want to say on Basuma as well. Like, I don't think it was an accident that um, Conte started him against Brighton because if you remember that there was the Nottingham Forest game where Spence came. Um, um, Basuma's playing today um, at the weekend against Brighton I don't think those two are accidents I think you know he's the man who sort of is very very um, pragmatic about the approaches that he makes to these games and I think he maybe was saving this game for the big Basuma moment and I'm glad it it delivered in you know it's not the sort of bells and whistle performance that we were maybe expecting from Basuma but it was fine it was good performance it was much better than his performance against West Ham for example Um, and at the moment I think it's going to be a huge for his confidence because after the game he was the last person and um, to leave the pitch last player to leave the pitch and he was stood on his own with the Spurs fans for a good few minutes at the end and everyone was singing his chant so I think in terms of confidence it's going to be massive for him going forward and I think after that West Ham game where he had a pretty poor game overall he maybe needed something like this and again it's, I think that's all by design from Conte he's kind of putting him in um, in a huge game for him personally to, with the hope that it will sort of spur him on I think this could be the start of us and I just think with that three it's a really really good balanced midfield because um, I don't know if it was the fact that Basuma was there as well, but I thought that was probably Benton Curran Hoybier's best game for us, um, maybe all season. They've both been very good large for the large parts of the season in, in general anyway. But I think this was like another level from them. I thought they were absolutely outstanding again. Um, and I think as a three, that's such a great midfield because it's very, very hard to break down. And I think as Tom was saying, like, that is not an easy place to go and win at all. That's a huge, huge win. Um, it's the first time they've lost at home since March, and that was also against us. Um, I don't think many teams are going to go there this year and win there. I really don't. You know, last week um, they played, they outplayed Liverpool. They were unlucky not to win it. Um, I think it's a huge win. Um, and I think with the, the circumstances surrounding the game, we maybe not appreciate how big that win actually is. Um, yeah, absolutely delighted with that win. It's, it's huge. It's also just that formation also allowed us to have options on the bench as well. Um, obviously, with if Kulu out, when we've been playing all three forwards, the last few games we've had nothing on the bench at all with Lucas also injured. To be able to bring on Perisic, who you know, I don't think he did a huge amount, but he just works so hard every time, like for every minute that he's on the pitch. Um, 
yeah, to to kind of have so, and be able to bring on Richarlison, obviously, um, who again didn't do, didn't do tons, but you know to have fresh legs at that part point in the game was so important. So uh, yeah, every the other you know recent games I've been looking at the bench, thinking there's nothing on there. So um, yeah, it worked well in that regard. And do we feel like? Because obviously that was a sunny assist for Kane's goal, right? So we do we feel like that kind of partnership might be allowed to kind of thrive a bit more again? Because when we talked about it last week, I think my fear was that we would kind of see the complaints that it was very stodgy and actually not kind of attacky enough. But we just like, again, got another Sun and Kane combination. So actually maybe it's just nothing to worry about. And like, that's that's all fine. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with the, the formation because maybe, I think when we've seen Son in a 3-4-3 when Kuliseski's not been there, he's looked really poor. Um, so maybe having him in the strike, he did look better against Brighton. Um, he, he's still not quite at his very best, but he also scored, but it was ruled out for offside. But it was an amazing goal that he scored and he got an assist. So uh, certainly positive signs. I think under Conte, uh, unless we're playing with Kuliseski, Kane and Son, which we know works really well as a front three. I think he's much better in the two with Kane, where he's right up by Kane. He doesn't, there's, some, there's something about the balance between Kane, Richarlison and Son that just doesn't work. Um, and I think maybe this is, if it's not, I don't, I'm not exactly predicting that we're going to see three five two in every single game going forward, but at least I think this has proved that it's now an option, that if it's not working, we can switch to it. Um, I think Conte will be more open to it now because it's like an experiment that works and got a win at a very difficult place to, to win. So I think this might be the start of seeing it more often. Having said that, I do, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we went 3-4-3 three, three, um, against Frankfurt on Wednesday. I'm um, also intrigued to see either Kulu or Richarlison uh, in a two as well. Um, you know, we've got so many games coming up and it's hard to rest either Son or Kane. But um, you like Richarlison and Kulu both, in theory, should be able to play in, in a two as well, right? Yeah, and there was that sort of awful moment again where Kane went down and we all just thought, oh, fucking hell, his ankle's gone again. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to get sort of everybody else up and running again. It's so interesting, though, about when Conte decides to start because you're right, but like I hadn't remembered that about Spence starting against Forrest. And it's almost like he does have this whole thing about character and it's almost got to be like a baptism of fire. Like when you're ready, you're ready. You're going like all the way into the kind of bear pit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that, you know, that is just Conte all over, isn't it? He's all about that kind of thing, you know, the passion and the suffering and all that stuff. Um, and I think it just fits that. But I, I do think with um, the formation changes, I, I'm trying to rack my brain. I, I can't remember a game where Kane has not started for us in a while. Um, I'm sure there might be, because I think I read that only Dyer is maybe, there's only a few players that have played every single Premier League game for us and every single European game. I know, like, I think Hoybier and Dyer might be up there. Um, probably wrong somewhere, but I can't remember a game where Kane's been benched. Um, so maybe we're going to have to see that soon because he can't keep playing every game um, up until the World Cup. So I wonder if we might see, you know, as Tom was saying, maybe some like Richarlison and Son or, you know, Son and Kulisevsky or Richarlison and Kulisevsky, something like that, something different anyway, because we have to, we can't just play Kane all of these games, right? I mean, you say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Um, so I think everyone, we... everyone else has been benched, right? I can't think of a game where Kane's been benched. Kulisinski, no. Son, 
Richarlison have all been on the bench, but Kane, I don't, I can't remember a time when he's been benched. When is um, the Carabao Cup uh, game must be coming up fairly soon? Is it um, Forest? I think it's like the ele- 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 I think it's the last game before the World Cup, eleventh of November or something like that. Okay, something like that. Well, it is yeah, mad. Looking at the fixture list now, is actually we haven't got long till the, the Premier League's over and this weird break happens. So I don't know. Yeah, I think England fans will hate us, Southgate will hate us, but maybe we just run Kane into the ground and uh, like forget about England. Who cares? Yeah, I think there's. Um, I think this is right. So I looked at it today. I think there's six Premier League games left, and four of them are at home. Um, so it's a good. It's a good little stretch. Hopefully, if we can sort of maintain this kind of form until the World Cup. We'll be in a good position, I think. But I, you know, I, I, you've got to see Kane bench at some point, surely. Like maybe it is just going to be that Carabao Cup game that does it, and maybe he's just sort of hoping that we go like two and a so we can just on like sixty minutes or something. I mean, we've had that was a tough week, man. That was like three away games in a row, and to kind of come out of it, especially the way that week started, we don't need to look back at that at all. But actually, like the draw away and then the win. That win against Brighton was really, really massive, actually. Should we have like a quick chat about the wingbacks? Because obviously Doherty is now alive, um, maybe not kind of flourishing as he once did. But I do feel like we've got to talk a little bit about Cesc because he got man of the match and I feel just really, really pleased for him. I feel like it was a pretty solid performance, actually, because he's kind of, you know, I'm a I'm a big cheerleader for Cesc. Um and all I want is to be able to kind of robustly defend him against the haters, naming no names, Oliver, my partner. <laughs> and I feel like he gave me ammunition on Saturday. So thank you for that, Ryan. Yeah, man, I thought it was great. Um, I think it was especially good defensively, which you don't often say about him. He's more of a sort of like, a, he's, you know, he's a very pacey sort of fullback who goes forward a lot. Um, and, you know, when he was at Fulham, he was known as a goal scorer more than anything. But I think we saw a real maturity to his defensive play uh, at the weekend. Um, I think it's been a little bit difficult for him as well because, he, I mean, you know, Conte will say that he doesn't really have a first choice. It's all about the squad. But Perisic has sort of taken that place at the moment, hasn't he? He started the last few games. And if he had to bank on it, you would say Perisic would be the one that would be starting. Um, but I thought it was a really, really good performance. And this is the kind of thing which you, when you talk about having a big squad and having players that can come in, that's what you look for. So Perisic is starting a few games. We're going to rest him and the deputy that comes in and gets man of the match. So now who does Conte pick? So when you look at all these big clubs like Man City and Chelsea, historically, this is what it means when you have a big club. You get the the actual competition for places and not just a really good player and someone who's not as good. So I think when we talk about having a big club and that depth, this is exactly what we wanted. Yeah, and it's good to see um, that we finally had like, you know, even if Doherty's not going to not back at the level that he was before he got injured, it's so, so, so good to see him just actually back out there and kind of completing 90 minutes. I mean, did he did he make 90 minutes? I can't really remember. Did he get subbed off at some point? I feel like there were loads of subs at one point and I sort of lost what formation we were meant to be playing. But I feel but he played most of the match, right? So that's just such a boost. Is it time for our like half hour hometown glory Harry Kane like clacks on because he got the only goal of the game and now he's got like how he's got what like nine goals in eight games or something? Yeah, I think so. I think um I think yeah, I think he's and he scored in four Premier League goals in a row as well. Four Premier League games in a row, which is his best ever 
best ever run, I think. So yeah, I mean, just like if Haaland wasn't scoring like he is, then this would go down as being like an incredible scoring run. But because of Haaland, like eight goals in nine Premier League games doesn't sound that good, which is mental because it's amazing. And it's Harry Kane who traditionally doesn't even start scoring until like September in the first place. So yeah, it's, an, it's been an unbelievable start. I think this is like best ever Premier League start. So if that's what he's going to do, you know, now imagine what how many goals he's going to have by the end of the season. And he's only now ten behind Jimmy Greaves, which is insane. Did you ever think anyone would actually catch Jimmy Greaves? Ten, um, Jesus. And then 11 to, to be the top scorer. So he's almost definitely going to do it this year, which is crazy. A bunch of those are headers as well, right, for this, this season. Was it like, is it five or six of them have been headers? Which obviously says something about our set-piece coach, because we've, we've had a few from corners, haven't we? Um, and, you know, I think that's part of his game that's underrated is he's just fucking so good in the air as well. Um, and also so good at reading children's bedtime stories. I uh, just uh, was chatting on Monday um, as I think for, as he launched his foundation, um, it's a World Mental Health Day, I believe. Uh, and he also read the bedtime story for CBBS. If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. It's very sweet. You, he said on Twitter, I think that he was very nervous. It was way more nerve wracking than doing interviews. Um, and you can kind of tell that, but he read um, The Line Inside, which is one of my favorite kids' books that I read to my kids uh, by, I think, Rachel Bright. She's, uh, her books are great. Um, and then he launched, um, yeah, launched this foundation, right, that um, is kind of going to, there was an amazing animation that he released to kind of announce the, found, the Harry Kane Foundation. And I believe it's going to sort of work with mental health in kind of young kids and helping them um, be resilient against kind of setbacks and stuff, right? Yeah, man, it's such a lovely cause that, um, yeah, that video that he released today promoting his, like, well, launching his foundation, like, that really got me because it was obviously, it was like the story of his career, right, from being um, released by Arsenal to, to becoming, like, England's captain. And it actually made me think back to last week, but when you were talking about, like, when I was talking about like Poch's first season, how that's like my favorite season of football. And you were saying, and that's also the season that Harry Kane emerged and we'll like, we're, we'll never get to see anything like that again, probably for at least for a very, very long time. And that's been such a gift to us as Spurs fans. And it was so lovely kind of watching that story in animation and just kind of remembering everything that he's been through and everything that we've been through with him. And it looks like, I think the sort of the sort of mission statement is like changing the conversation around mental health, like or like changing it for a generation, which is pretty ambitious and really very very cool. I think, um, and I love the fact that we. I think we were all sat down at like ten to seven this evening, all watching Kane read his CBB's bedtime yeah. story, and like it really got me, man. I was like, oh, it was so sweet. You could see him kind of holding himself very kind of steadily and really like concentrating hard but like like a massive thing if you remember like how much people just took the fucking piss out of him when he started in a way that like it's so offensive actually really how people talked about him then how quite a lot of people still talk about him now and it's one of those things where we really like as Tottenham fans we're so protective of him but it's like he's like the most kind of weirdly randomly unnecessarily hated players and it's like what 
what is there to hate man he's like the most inoffensive sweet dude and now here he is launching his mental health foundation and reading a children's book like what is wrong with everybody else also all those people love him when he plays for england as well at a a tournament like suddenly everyone loves him and it's yeah you're right it's like some of the things that have said about him are incredibly offensive really um and yeah just like just awful and i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that um you know you see someone have an academy player who comes through bursts onto this. It's like, you know, the, the kind of cliche of the Roy of the Rovers thing. He bursts through to the scene. He becomes the best striker in the Premier League, if not the best striker in the world. He has, can he keep it up? Yeah, he keeps it up for like 10 years or whatever. He's been doing it for now. Um, and I think a lot of the, the sort of hatred comes to the fact that it didn't happen to them. It happened to us. Um, and next supporting Harry Kane has been by far like, I know, you know, you can say this is a Tim Pot thing, but it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me and my Tottenham um, support in life like because we haven't won trophies but what we have been able to do is support like a man who's like a thoroughly good man and I think at a time as we spoke about a lot last week when football um, can often sort of you know football and the behaviour of footballers can either cause you to either choose between standing by your morals or standing by your football team um, with Harry Kane we never have to make that choice he's never had a single scandal I don't think I can safely say he will never cause us to make, have to go make that choice or something like that it's just not him it's not his character and in fact he's totally the opposite like mm. and being a primary school teacher at the moment um you know i see every day how much important um those conversations around mental health are with the children you have to remember that somebody in like for example somebody starting primary school now a child in reception would have spent half their life indoors um these kids would have spent two years of their school life at home um it's a really really important cause that he is he's just released some primary school resources as well, which I'm going to use in my class, which I can't wait to use. Um, and this is a man that still attracts hate from a lot of people. I just find it absolutely absurd. Um, he's never put a foot wrong in his career, like morally. Um, he's never had a scandal. He, I can, and like, as I can say, you can safely guarantee that will almost certainly never ever happen with him. Um, it's just, a, it's baffling to me that this man isn't lauded as like an absolute national hero as he should be. Um, but he certainly won't get that with Spurs fans and supporting him just makes me so proud to be Tottenham. And in a days where he's gone on to be like an incredible scorer, um, he's gave a really emotional interview in support of, um, someone that he lost. And then he's done all this today. It's just like, you, you know, how you just can't describe how good this man is and how much it means to Tottenham fans. He's just perfect. He's absolutely perfect. And I think a lot of the hate comes from the fact that something perfect happened to Tottenham fans and it didn't happen to them. Uh, so yeah, what an amazing man. Billy, I think my heart grew three sizes listening <laughs> to you there. <laughs> There's also, uh, in like related to that, it's just like, what do we want from our footballers then? Because footballers get stick constantly for being flash and driving sports cars and, you know, uh, getting in trouble and people seem to hate him because he's boring and he's like still with the girl from school that he grew up with and like and you know there's there he's not ostentatious he's just kind of plays golf and gets on with the job and it's like reliable and nice and like yeah I find it bizarre that people hate on him and has scored some of the most perfect goals we've ever seen and I guess we'll get We'll get to sort of goals a little bit later, should we? And But before we do that, shall we move on to just thinking about the next two games? So Wednesday, we've got Frankfurt at home. How are we all feeling about it? Are you guys going to be there? 
I am going to be there. I am away for Everton and Newcastle, so I'm excited to um, to get to the lane on a sort of uh, autumnal Wednesday. Uh, I'm kind of heartened from the away leg because we they weren't that good, were they, Frankfurt, really? Um, we just couldn't fucking score, so I'm hoping at home that will click. Um, and then I'm mostly just worried about their fans because um, they're pretty rowdy, uh, we discussed, I think, on the last podcast how they just get loads of their own fans in the home end uh, every game. Um, and also they're bound to to get a drum in, which will annoy the hell out of me. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know where, like, how much to be worried about it. Do you know what I mean? Like in one in one way, I'm like, okay, it's, it's at home. This is good. Like, I feel like we've done the sort of really difficult bit now we've had kind of two tough away games and now we can just and now we can have two home games like both actually both like our next Champions League games are home as well isn't it um and I sort of feel like maybe we are starting to kind of click into gear it feels like like we really went for it away right it wasn't a kind of the sort of performance we've been associating with Conte, it was very much like, actually, let's go and try. Like, he obviously coached us to try to get the win. It wasn't about kind of sitting back at all. So I feel like if we can replicate that um, and everything does start clicking, we should be okay. It's just, they're a mad team, aren't they? Like, who they can, like, beat, like, the leaders and then, like, lose to the bottom team. So is it just a question of, like, which Frankfurt is going to turn up? Yeah, I think they lost um they lost a, the Bochum at the weekend to a bottom of Bundesliga. They lost three 0 away as well. I don't know if they were resting players or whatever, um in in preparation for this this game, but um they're also like mid table Bundesliga, like they're not I know they, they lost some of their best players, like they lost Kostic, who we were linked with at the time, who's brilliant left back. Um I think they lost him to Juventus. So like it's not it's not something we should be fearing really. I do think we have and obviously we we have to win this game really if we want to sort of assert ourselves in this group now, because it's now we've got two home games back to back. Um, I f- to be honest, I think we'll win it. I think we'll win it um, because we were by far the better team last week. Um, it's just one of those games where our finishing was not up to scratch. And if it, I'll just take like an early Tottenham goal for us to be really firing, I think. And I think we could potentially blow them away, which I hopefully we will do. Who do we think is going to start? Any ideas? Do we think it'll be back to 3-4-3? I guess Perisic will start, right? And obviously Emerson, I think, will start again as well because he's out for the next Premier League, two Premier League games. I think he'll start. I think he'll play the, pretty much the same team that he played again in the last game against them, to be honest. Identical team. Um, and yeah, I, I, um, it'd be nice to have another Rich Darlison goal, wouldn't it? Because it's, it's been a while. It's been since the Marseille game where he scored. He hasn't scored for a while. He's been plenty of like busyness, plenty of, you know, he has been making an impact on game. He's won the penalty against Arsenal, etc. Um, but it'd be nice for a Richarlison goal, so I'd hope to see him start as well. And then do we maybe, as we probably won't go back to 3-5-2 um, for a home game against Everton, you'd think, right? I was a bit annoyed with them yesterday because obviously like bad stuff happened in the football yesterday and I thought we were going to get really cheered up by an unexpected Everton win, but then that didn't happen. So I guess they're still pretty ropey. Well, annoyingly, Ronaldo came on, didn't he, and scored. And we've got United pretty soon. So I'm sure he will be uh, revitalised and back in the in the fold. Um, the good news from Everton is uh, Anthony Gordon is suspended. 
who um, has really impressed me. I know we were linked with him uh, as for Chelsea for a hell of a lot of money, but he, uh, he has been pretty impressive for Everton. So it's good news that he's out. He's out for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, Kulu, fingers crossed, he might at least make the bench for that one. Yeah, and I don't think it's like, <clears throat> this, the last time we played them, they were absolutely awful. They were, they were an awful side last season. And as surprised as I am to say this, like Frank Lampard has, I think he's starting to, to sort of get, get something out of them. I think they've gone the last six games unbeaten before Man United. And they weirdly, which is a crazy thing to say, they had like the best defensive league in the Premier, defensive record in the Premier League up until the, the, this weekend, which is crazy for, you never ever associate that with Everton. So I don't think it's going to be like the easy game that it was this time last year. But again, you know, we should be beating them at home. Um, and, you know, talking of what we were talking about earlier, it's another game where we've got someone returning to the club that they used to play for. So I'm sure Richarlison will have a big impact in that game as well. And Conte will probably start him in that one. So who knows, he might drop Richarlison on Wednesday and then play him on Saturday or something like that. Um, I, you can't really predict what Conte is going to do game to game at the moment. Um, now that he's sort of, I don't really understand the patterns in his rotation. So who knows? Um, but again, it's a game that I, I think we'll win again. But I also kind of like that. Do you know what I mean? If it's a bit like we can't predict it and we pay quite a lot of attention, then that's quite good news for the for us kind of versus other teams, I guess, because it, it sort of leaves them guessing, you would hope. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw the quotes from the Brighton manager. He obviously came up against Conte a lot last uh, in Serie A. And he said, because um, we were all over Brighton in the first 25 minutes, and he actually came out and said, the reason for that is he totally got it wrong and he thought we were going to play 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, and he, his game plan, his whole game plan was to nullify 3-4-3. Three, three, and when we didn't play that, it didn't work at all. So he basically put his hand up and said, I got it wrong. Um, so maybe that, maybe now this is going to encourage Conte to start you know, playing about the formation a bit more because we've been very, very solid in our 3-4-3. Three, three. I mean, solid in terms of keeping it the same. So maybe, yeah, maybe this sort of mystifying nature of Conte's selection might be quite good because it definitely worked at the weekend because um, the Brighton manager said it. Yeah, and I'm also like, I, I think as well, obviously, uh, Gentle Ben came back at the weekend. So I think I'll probably get some long lay again at the, in the week and then back to GB at the weekend. So, you know, that, that part of it is working really, really well for me. <laughs> do we feel, do we feel like we want to do any predictions? I feel a bit like I don't like doing them. So I'm very happy to just say, let's not bother and just. I hate doing them. And every, ahead. <laughs> every week when Charlie asks for them, I want to just say, no, I'm not doing yeah. them. This week. Okay. No, Charlie. Sorry. Okay. No. Yeah. I'm going to let you off your homework this week. That's I am the way. chilled out substitute teacher. Yes. <laughs> Shall we move on in that case to um, our amazing, amazing listeners to rolling in the tweets? I, honestly, you guys, I don't, you're all, your memories are all insane. So Billy put out a tweet earlier today about there's a video doing the round suggesting that Delhi's goal against United is one of the most underrated Prem goals. That video in itself is really hilarious. So watch it. So this week we wanted to know what is the most underrated Spurs goal ever? You got like, how many responses did we get, Bill? There's like literally hundreds. I, I actually can't, I physically can't keep up with them all. So thank you very, very much for those. Um, and I think in keeping in spirit of the, the question, like some of them are so niche, which is like why we love you guys in the first place. So thank you for those. Um, so I've selected some of them. I could not get through all of them if I tried because we'd be here, you know, until that Frankfurt game, I think. But I do have some. So here we go. 
So um, one of the ones that came up a lot and and was, even though everyone knows it, it's Lucas' second goal against Ajax, not spoken about enough. And loads of people were in agreement with that one. Um, and in that thread, actually, someone managed to find a tweet from Hugh Laurie, bigging up that goal. So there you go. I've never seen that before. Um, Tom says the Jamie Redknapp versus them in 2004, 45 seconds in here. My favourite thing about these is I don't know a lot of these goals. I don't remember them. And I guess that is a testament to how underrated that they are. Um Friend of the show, AP says Delhi's goal against Arsenal in the Cup, which I remember we did a, a special about um, Delhi Ali last year when he left. And I said that goal was really, really underrated. That's one of my favourite all-time Spurs goals. Lots of shouts for Eric Edmund. Kevin says him, that classic goal against Liverpool, um, which I think is very highly rated by Spurs fans, but maybe in like the wider football community, it's not really spoken about enough considering how crazily far distance it is. Um, Anthony Yearwood says, for me, the Delhi goal... And the North London Derby, December 2008, 2018. Or the Harry came with the ball over the top. Great, but the chip finish. What a player. Um, we've got a couple of shouts for Kane's goal against Crystal Palace as well. One of his best ever goals, I think. That was an absolutely superb goal. But it's one of those weird goals where you sort of see it. And then it's in like lockdown. There's no fan zone. It's really a real shame. Um, Jimmy says, Delis versus Chelsea at the bridge when he controlled Dyer's long pass. It was a touch of pure class. Uh, celebration was great too Turner says honestly Gareth Bale's volley versus Stoke which is another goal that comes up quite a lot James says Harry Kane away at Leicester when he's basically fallen on his face and somehow chips into the top left corner insane uh, I think it was one of Potts' last games when he got robbed by VAR. Yeah, I remember it well. That's where the downfall started for me when we got that VAR decision um, Gavin also says Eric Edmund versus Liverpool um, Zane Leon this is my favourite type of answer because I have no memory whatsoever of this goal but you know I truly believe you so he says no one ever mentions it literally but Canute against Everton back in 2003 what a hit and that's the kind of memory that we love on this show um, I'm sure it was a brilliant goal um, SW Spurs says there's a goal that Linical scored against Porto at home it's the ultimate team goal um, Trunk our good friend Trunk says Kane against Chelsea home in 2015 to make it 1-1 was actually fucking ridiculous it was also the game that the penny dropped on him actually being a player as opposed to just an academy kid on a hot streak um, you know we've spoken enough about that today exactly um, summarises our feelings of that man uh, Dan Thomas says similarly overlooked was Delhi's goal in the Chelsea semi-final it gets enough gets enough love Ericsson with one of the best assists you'll see an absolute peak Delhi finish yeah I honestly think that's the best ever assist I've seen live in the flesh a um, couple of shouts like Conte Stallion says for Ndombele's goal against Sheffield United that comes up a few times uh, Nick says a Son header against Huddersfield at Wembley a few years back the ball from Kane different level and Sonny just guides it in beautifully I remember being there for that goal as well Graham says the Chris Armstrong diving header away to Palace. Uh, Tweet Good Max says both Jan and Bale's goals against Swansea. Uh, Tim, Sock Formation says Defoe against Middlesbrough in 04. Um, a couple of ones that Rosa will kind of like in a second. Here's one that says Louis says Dembele versus Leon. Uh, maybe forgot, more forgotten than underrated, but a goal in the last minute. Uh, Jonathan says Christian Zieger in a 2 1 away loss to Blackburn. Um, <clears throat> couple of shouts for this goal as well. Benny says Huddleston at City on the half volley with the ball on the way up on the, and not on the way down and Keane away to Villa. Um, where's Johnson? A bit niche. These are ones we like where. So he says a bit niche, but Anderson away at QPR in a 1-1 draw, mid-90s. The yellow Klinsman kit, Barnaby back here, Mickey Lewis. 
And Mickey has a pass, proper Spurs goal. That's the stuff we like, the niche stuff, which no one else remembers, but we do on this podcast. Uh, the head says Pavichenko goal against Young Boys. Spurs view says Pavichenko goal against Bolton. A um, couple more shouts for Bale's volley. Another goal that comes up quite a lot is a Berbatov one versus Charlton. Um, some more shouts for Huddleston versus City. Josh says Crankyard versus Stoke, a dummy and strike. Uh, Max also says Berbatov versus Charlton. Um, Another goal, which I have completely forgotten. In fact, I didn't even remember this player even ever scored for us in his whole career. But Luke says, Alan Hutton wrapping the ball in the top corner from the edge of the box on his weak foot. Um, dear friend of the show and dear family member, Oliver says, Chaddy versus Palace in the game. Delhi scored that goal. Huddleston versus City again. And Defoe's goal in the 4-5 loss to that lot. Uh, Bearded Caviar says Harry Kane at Anfield. Another great goal, which I remember, um, which was a hard angle back to goal. Didn't matter. Um, Tom... Our dear friend Tom says Kirikesh versus Fulham. A couple more shouts of Pavichenko. Box Fresh says Adaboyle versus Chelsea. Uh, Rico says Peter Crouch away to Werder Bremen. There are literally hundreds of goals. Just want to shout out a couple more regular ones that came up as well as the Pandro Mendes one um, versus Man United that was ridiculously ruled out. Uh, another one close to Rose's heart. Liam says Ryan Mason versus Sunderland. That's got to be up there. And yeah. So thank you so much for those. Honestly, I could read them out. It would take me hours to read all of them. Um, and we, as always, we really, really appreciate you guys getting in touch because you do make this show what it is. So thank you for that. So many insane answers in there. I'm so pleased someone mentioned that Ryan Mason one because I remember that goal really well. And it obviously like broke him. Like he got injured, like as he was scoring that and then was like just out of action forever. But it also really kickstarted our season, that win. So that to me is like a perfect underrated goal. Who are you crazy people who are remembering goals scored by Alan Hutton and like Kirikesh? Like I know, I know there are, there's like a group of you out there who love Kirikesh and who feel like he's like your cult hero. I'm hit like, honest to God, he was Terrible, terrible, terrible. terrible. I was never happier than when he left. And I can't, I genuinely can't believe he ever scored a goal for us. So terrible. And I'm just amazed people have that good memories because my memory is fucking awful. Clearly, I don't know, people aren't drinking as much as me or just uh, you doing some sort of memory exercise games because my memory is so bad. The the Leicester, the cane at Leicester where he fell over, that is uh, that was incredible where he's like somehow scores while he's fall, falling down over. And um, I just want to shout out Jermaine Defoe because uh, he just did things so simply yet beautifully. And I think um, he's sort of, the magic of JD is kind of forgotten sometimes. So, Yeah, man, it's so nice to have him back at the club as well, isn't it? I feel so pleased that he's kind of back home. Um, that was so nice. You're all mad. I just, I can't believe the things that you all remember. Um, but thank you all. Shall we move on to, you know, the most important part of the pod? culture um billy do you want to go first before tom and i take it just completely off the rails of our strictly chat yeah man um i still have not watched strictly i've never seen a single episode in my life actually i've never it's just one thing it's not that i have anything particularly against it. i've just literally never seen it um never been into it um but i have watched two sh- i started two new shows this week um and one of them i think i've spoken both about them on the podcast before because one of them charlie mentioned last week i watched the first episode of the bear on disney plus which was amazing and i can't i'm gonna look, probably watch some of that tonight as soon as we 
done doing this but the first episode is brilliant you know when you watch a show sometimes and after like 10 minutes you're like oh i know all the characters already like you just know exactly it's like a testament to how good the writing is that you just know exactly everything about them that you need to know um straight away and it was that kind of show that was just like settled into its rhythm straight away um it's very very stressful as you would imagine any kind of drama is that set in a kitchen it's about um it's about a chef that moves to a different restaurant in new york after his brother died but um, it, it seems really, really good. And the other thing I've been starting is the rehearsal, um, which I can't really describe in words. It's it's a, it's a crazy, crazy concept of a show, but it's basically, it's kind of half reality, half comedy. It's by Nathan Fielder, who has a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of plaudits for his uh, Nathan For You show, which again is this weird kind of mix of reality and um, real life situations mixed with like scripted comedy. It's, you can't really describe it without, you have to see it to be able to believe it. But this show is about, he takes real people that are in like weird situations in their life where they need um, support of something and he makes them rehearse them. And when I say rehearse them, I mean, he literally, so this guy in the first episode, I won't spoil anything that happens, but this guy has to confess something to his friend that he's been lying to her. So what he does, he builds a replica of this guy's house and builds a replica of the bar, which him and his friend always go to. And I'm, I'm like a literal perfect replica. And he rehearses the conversation like hundreds of times of every possible outcome. And it is the weirdest show I've ever seen, but it's unbelievably compelling viewing. So um, shout out the rehearsal as well. And um, I've been listening at the moment to the new Daphne album. I need to listen to it a bit more before I properly get into it. But um, yeah, really enjoying that from what I've heard so far. Um, and he's a great man. So shout out to Daphne, um, AKA Caribou. Um, but yeah, that uh, sounds like a really good album. I've only listened to a few tracks so far, but I'm definitely going to be putting that on this week. I feel like the rehearsal is the kind of show that like I should watch, but I would also end up just being like, I'm just going to claw my own face off to get away from it because it's just too stressful. Like reality TV, things like Strictly aside, which are just kind of cuddly, I can't really deal with the secondhand embarrassment at all. And anything that, you know, shows like Curb, which I know are like genius works of art, I just, I, I can't watch them. I can't do it. It's just too, too, too stressful. And it seems like that's the kind of, merging of those genres in a way that'll just make me just want to die and it is it is a difficult watch for that, for that reason but the, the the good thing that it does in the first episode is it chooses a guy who is insanely likable like you get to like fall in love this guy straight away um and you're really really rooting for him and by the time the actual real life conversation comes along your heart's like beating, like thinking you really want this guy to do well. I'm not obviously won't reveal what actually happens when he actually tells this woman the lie, but oh my God, like they, they couldn't have chosen a, a better guy for the first episode because you just like totally warm to him and you just want him to succeed. So yeah, well, honestly, I've never seen anything like it before. I doubt anything has ever been on TV, anything like it. It's some weird mix of reality and real and scripted. You're know, kind what? of half guessing what is the whole thing. Is it on, Bill? Um, it's a HBO show, so it's on Sky um hbo HB and america sky in england and honestly i, I you need, you have to watch it just you have to watch the first episode just because you you have never ever seen anything like it in your life honestly go for it on a related note i watched a few of how to with john wilson which nathan fielder produced i think um and that is pretty weird but kind of satisfying but you've kind of again you've got to concentrate it's not like it's not kind of casual viewing because it's quite weird and I think you only really, it's kind of hypnotic and funny, but you really you do have to concentrate, but they're on iPlayer as well. Yeah, that's uh, a good thing about the rehearsal is it's kind of like, it's it's basically reality TV, so you don't, it's not one of those shows where you have to literally like 
give your full attention to like some of the shows that you know i've been watching the, the heavy dramas that you're watching to it's kind of like shot like a reality show so you can kind of just like half watch it which is always good and then need to watch that but talking of shows that you need to give your whole whole uh, attention to come on strictly rosa who uh, who's your favorite to be honest matt like do you remember um whenever it was like last year when Spielberg's version of West Side Story came out and I was like, I found my favourite film of all time. I'm just going to oh watch God. it every day for the rest yeah, of my life. So yeah. yeah, like remains true. Um, so when Molly and Carlos came out dancing to One Hand, One Heart from that musical, I was just like, yeah, man, you've made a very obvious play for my vote and I'm here to tell you that it absolutely worked. <laughs> like, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. Like, she's obviously really brilliant, isn't she? Like, it's it feels like cheating a little bit because she's there, obviously very naturally talented. And but they're a good always, team, man. It's nice. He's very likeable, Carlos, and he clearly mm. works her very hard. But also, there is always as someone who's like 18, essentially. Yeah. Of course a fucking 18-year-old's going to be really good. They're not yeah. like... They'd be able to walk today after doing a half marathon. I can exactly. Um, but who did do the marathon? It was um, oh, um, the guy. Oh my god, what's like his face? Presenter, right? Um, yeah, he literally um, ran the marathon and then got like the first tens of the season for his Charleston. He's uh, Which, slightly a Tyler. over. Tyler. Yeah, um, he's slightly overmarked. You know, obviously with Ot gone. Mm. Uh, I need a new favourite female dancer. And I think Diane, like, she is really hot and just a great dancer as well. She's very cool. But for me, it's just, it's Karen. She's a freaking goddess, man. And again, like, I enjoyed their dance this week with Jade, the, sort of yeah. the flash dance, the cha-cha-cha, was it? The flat to flash dance. She's, very, clearly, very doing cool. a very, she's clearly doing a very good job um, yeah, with Jade. Slightly sad that, I mean... On paper, Johannes and Ellie Jane Taylor from mm. um, from Ted Lasso were going to be my favourite couple, but she's been a little bit disappointing, I think. Um, I think she's really nervous. I feel yeah. quite like, I feel like very warm towards her because I feel like that's how I would be. I'd want to do it so well and then I'd just be really stiff and awkward and it would be really heartbreaking so I feel but then I'm also a bit like come on Johannes is obviously the best male dancer come so on Johannes is the, the greatest yeah so yeah I want her I feel I think she's quite lucky to still be in it to be honest because she could have easily had that sort of horrible lost in the middle but without any but then maybe the Johannes vote is keeping her in I don't know her and Fleur were both pretty boring um, mm. uh, this week. And I like CBB's other dude, Ranger Hamza, did Hamza. not have the best week. <laughs> also, I love his partner. I think her name's Javita. Um, yeah. But considering his body shape, shall we say, mm -hmm. like he's surprisingly nimble, I think, Hamza. But what's, that, what's the Jurassic Park got to do with... Uh, what are they doing? Like a rumba. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Why am I looking for for logic in Strictly? It makes no sense. Some of the movie themed ones were pretty ridiculous, <laughs> weren't they? And Paul Ritchie, who the guy, uh, you know, I guess I'm surprised he went because he was he was good the other weeks. But yeah, the Lion King, Timon and Pumba thing was fairly terrible. 
Um, it was brutal. I was just like, I don't know why yeah. you put them in costumes where you just can't see that they're like the dance at all. It feels yeah. like I do. Yeah. You were right. I feel like they got stitched up, like quite and, literally. And Gio is obviously a genius, as we saw yeah, last man. year with yeah. with Rose. So I feel a bit sorry for Gio. Um, but then again, I also admit I had to like really Google who that guy Richie is. So I, I, I you know, it is a kind of popularity contest, isn't it? So he's sadly. Tony Adams yeah. probably has more fans. I mean, he just, yeah, let's just skip right on past him. The thing that I love about Strictly is when you get to a certain stage of your like relationship with that show where you know all the dancers really well and you don't really know that many of the celebrities yeah. and that's all that matters, really. Totally know the dancers better than the celebrities, mm-hmm. for sure. The dancers are the real stars, come on. What's your favourite dance, Tom? <laughs> Uh, I quite like a fun Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a rumba is always is always fun. I like the Latin, sexy rumba. Yeah, yeah. The Latin okay. ones are a Charleston, I think. Like, mm-hmm. but then again, when someone nails a ballroom, like you know Rose last year, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know when yeah when when usually a female like celeb nails the ballroom romantic ballroom one, it's pretty breathtaking. I love a Paso Doble. Because I'm a big fan of the original Strictly Ballroom movie. And obviously that was like the dance that they had to learn. I like an American smooth. I like a quick step. That's always good. So just whoever kind of, whoever manages those really well, they'll probably get my vote. Yeah. Or like whatever tango. I don't really know the differences between the tangos or the waltzes, to be honest. I'm useless with kind of knowing exactly what dance they're doing. And also often, I think everyone does this with Strictly, but often... I'm like, that was fucking amazing. That was so <laughs> good. And then the judges all go, two, that was terrible, and just rip it apart. And sometimes yeah. the opposite is true, where I'm like, that was really underwhelming, and the judges give everyone a nine. Yeah. Would you, one last question, and then <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do like a, a proper, a bit more proper culture. Um, would you, if you were going into Strictly, I think about this way too much, would you rather be someone who was like naturally like, who like picked up the technical stuff straight away or would you rather have more like you know charisma and personality and then do the technical stuff a bit later i like the celebs who go on a journey you know that's yeah, what yeah. it's all about isn't it so sometimes there is a dark horse who's kind of a bit shit for like four or five weeks and suddenly cracks it um but i think generally the professionals are just like clearly amazingly patient, amazing yeah. um, teachers. And uh, some of them are obviously amazing choreographers as well. So, I mean, like Johannes is so good, isn't he? Um, He's just unbelievably good. I love him so, so, love so much. He... Karen, Karen clearly as well. And they don't yeah, really... and neither of them have won it, right? So I think... Uh, yeah. I felt bad for Kai because he... He's already gone, obviously, mm. but he had a very good year with AJ and then she got injured last time. And But I am missing, oh, I am obviously, we're all missing Aliash, obviously, as well as O2. Oh, my God. The, those two, man, it's, it's, it's rough without them, isn't it? It's really rough. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Oh, tell um, us your real, I haven't got any real culture. I've only done Strictly and football and... That's about yeah, it. so I've done Strictly. Um, I've got another episode. I watched another episode of Andor, um, which is, yeah, just kind of, actually, Ollie and I had a conversation, Bill, I don't know how you feel about this, but he thinks it might, he might actually prefer it to The Mandalorian, which I consider to be sacrilege. But 
It's been really good at like like expanding the world, right? Yeah, it's definitely much better than Boba Fett and Obi Wan. Um, It's it's up there, man. uh, Maybe it has to do it for two seasons, like the the Mandalorian did, um, for it to be properly compared yet. But um, it's definitely promising. Definitely for sure. It's definitely well up there. Definitely well up there. It's really good. Yeah, and they've actually made me kind of give a shit about the sort of political intrigue stuff this time around, which, you know, you don't really... And there's been not a single mention of Jedis or the Force or anything, and it's just, like, so good. Yeah, yeah. It's actually just something totally different to all that, the whole, um, uh, like, um, uh, Skywalker saga, which, you know, we've probably got a bit of fatigue of now after Mm -hmm. all the, you know, all the the films that we've had and various TV shows. So, yeah, it's nice, nice refreshment. Yeah, and it's it's just really, really well done, isn't it? Um, one other thing about it is that the guy who is in the guy we were talking about last week, whose name I always forget, who is Desi in Girls and is also in the Bear, but is also in Andor as part of that like rebel crew. So he's having a pretty good time of it. Um, I've just got one last little culture thing, which is that um I finished a book last week by a writer called Sloane Crossley, which if there's a more American name, I don't think I've heard it. Um, a few, actually, God, like many years ago now, I think she wrote some quite sort of funny, like non-fiction essays in a kind of, I could maybe sort of David Sedaris kind of vein, which I really enjoyed. And she just, and this is a novel of hers called Cult Classic, which kind of starts out as a sort of, romance that so she's kind of dealing with like her like upcoming wedding and then a bunch of um, her exes start randomly dropping into her life and then it kind of expands into this mystery and it's sort of like I hesitate to call it like a twist at the end because I think anyone who is not me would have seen it coming a mile off but because I'm really terrible at that kind of thing and I just don't tend to spot them I was actually quite surprised by how it ended um so it was pretty good like quite a sort of light easy read pretty fun um and I just made basically made sure I finished it so I would have something else to talk about that was not like dancing or dragons this week but um yeah that's it from me thanks guys this um has been super fun um sort of a real emotional journey as well, which kind of befits the couple of weeks that we've all had as Spurs fans. Billy, will you see us home? Strength and honour and up the Spurs. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.